Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey guys, you're listening to Recover Girl. I'm your host, Anna David. How are you today? I'm so glad you downloaded. I'm so glad you're listening. I don't say that enough. I hope you like this show. If you do, possibly you want a list of my happiness hacks. It's a free cheat sheet that I wrote that lists my methods for getting out of it when I'm in it. For when I'm feeling dark and want to find the light, just go to AnnaDavidCoaching.com and it's yours. That's AnnaDavidCoaching.com. I will send it to you. Yeah, I will. Now, this is one of those episodes from my live show, Hammer Time, features a very special guest because that guest is me. I'm going to be honest. This story did not turn out as the hilariously, ridiculously funny story I envisioned. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm releasing it anyway because I don't know about you. I, I always assume I'm right about everything, particularly subjective things. So it's like, I'll hear, say, a speaker in a recovery meeting, and I'll think, that that was a terrible speaker. And then someone will turn to me and say, God, that was the best speaker I've ever heard. Um, I will, I, you know, as it turns out, it's taken me 40-something years to realize this, we all have different tastes. So possibly, um, in episodes that I think are terrible of this show people really like. So maybe you will like this story more than... Look, the audience liked it, but people came up to me afterwards and said, you know, it's really cool that you didn't feel the need to tell such a funny story this time. You know, that you just went more serious, which is not what you want to say at a a comedy storytelling show. Anyway, it's cool. I say something that I believe is important. I have an important message. And by the way, who am I? I hope you know if you listen, but maybe you don't. I'm New York Times bestselling author of six books. Um, I host this podcast. I speak at colleges. Um, I'm speaking with Tony Robbins. By the time you hear this, it's probably happened already. Um, but it was kind of, let's just say it was the seminal event of my life thus far. Anyway, enough from me in the intro. Here's me at the storytelling show. Boy, did I undersell that. If I, If anybody laughs, you're going to think... Never mind. Here you go. Um, so the first time, it was it was magical. Except except I actually it was the second time. The first time kind of sucks to be honest. It was um, I my friend Marie and I stole uh, vodka from her mother's. You know you you know you do the thing. Who everyone did the thing right yes. with the pencil and the water. Okay, yeah, we did that. And we were in Marin County, and we took the bus to San Francisco. <laughs> Yeah, give it up for Marin. And and can we talk about 
how San Francisco is the city. And how if you grow up in the Bay Area, you're like, oh, the city. Like, San Francisco is so narcissistic. It's like, sorry, New York is the city. But I, thank you. But I had no idea. So we, so we take the bus um, to the city. And we go to the beach in San Francisco, which is, by the way, don't applaud for that. That's a terrible idea. It's cold. It's rainy. It's gross. And I are with these two guys. You're going to love this. Ethan and Charlie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got someone who knows them. And, um... And we, we drink, and then Charlie, I remember he's sitting there, we're sitting there like side by side on the beach, and he drinks and immediately vomits. You know, not even having that decency that comes later in a drinking career where you, you know, go off like a dying animal and, and like, puke, you know, like right there. So he pukes, and he looks up, and I'll never forget this. He goes, huh, carrots. Ew! Ew! Can you believe I ever drank again? Um, but I did. I worked through that. And um, my freshman, so then it's my freshman year in high school, and I go to a senior guy's party. And I, I drink, and I, like, get into a fight. Like, a, I don't have physical. I have emotional fights. I get into an emotional fight with a woman over a guy, and I cry, and I throw up. Like, you know, epi, you know normal shit. And then, and then I see him. And him, in this case, is Mike Z. I'm not going to use his last name because... He follows everything I do on social media. That's not at all true. This man has absolutely no idea who I am anymore. But it's like 20 years later, maybe it's 30 years later, I'd have the decency to not use his last name. So anyway, I see him, and it's like he's bathed in gold light, you know? And this was like the big man on campus to the extreme. Like, you would just quake in Mike Z's presence. And I remember when he played soccer and we would like sit there and he would, we would just like watch him be like, his legs are like works of art, aren't they? And we'd be like, yeah. And, um, and so you like, you couldn't speak around Mike Z. And just to set the stage, I had a horrible haircut. You know, that, that phase, like I had really pretty long hair and, um, and my mom never wanted me to cut it. And so I get this idea right before high school, freshman year to go, I'm in Napa and my friend and I figure out that we can like pick enough blackberries to make enough money to go to supercuts to get these haircuts that our parents would never let us have. Don't do that. If you have a kid entering high school, don't let them do that. I mean, it was, it was so bad. But so, so I've got this atrocious haircut. I'm this super awkward freshman. And, um, I see Mike Z, you know, bathed in gold light. And, and I do something that like I never would have done sober, which is like I go waltzing up to him. And I'm like, I say something nobody over the age of like 10 should say. And I say, um, you know, I have AD plus MZ carved into my binder. I say that. And he looks at me. He looks at my atrocious haircut. He looks at it again. He's like, I do too. And I'm like, oh my God, there are no sweeter words in the English language. I can't believe this. This drinking thing is amazing. And so thus began my most important relationship in high school. But when I say relationship, uh, Mike Z and I didn't date. Like, he dated perfect senior women with unatrocious hair. Uh, but he loved that I had this crush on him. And so he started paying all this attention to me. And so, and so he would, um, we would talk at parties. And then at school, he would leave the senior lounge and like walk around the campus, like with his arm around me. And, and he called, I remember he called me once. And I don't sweat. Like, I'm one of those, like, I'm in spinning class. Like, why am I not sweating? Mike Z would call me. And I remember watching drops of sweat 
seeing like, like cartoon-sized drops of sweat fall to the ground. So the problem with this relationship, first of all, I don't think his like senior, perfect senior girlfriends liked it very much, but, but also when I wasn't drunk, I couldn't speak around him. I was like rendered mute and terrified. And so at parties, it was great. But during the day, I would have to avoid him. Like I didn't look at this and go, you know, I should examine this. Like, what, what is my relationship with alcohol that I'm super comfortable then and super uncomfortable the rest of the time? I don't do that. Instead, I'm like, I have to avoid him at school. It's the only solution. Because getting drunk at school, hats off, Lindsay. It wasn't easy to get drunk at school. I tried, and sometimes I succeeded. It was much easier to get high at school. Am I right? Fortunately, pot did not do good things to me. But, but I would, my friend Hillary always had pot and always knew where we could go where we wouldn't get busted so we would get high before French class and um, side note in one year I managed to lose every bit of French I'd ever learned yeah so they start you at French at five at my school and then you get up to French literature so I decide to buy all the books in English and to write my papers with the dictionary and then in, before class get so high that I would like try to take notes but I'd be like is the ink coming from a pen or my finger? Because it feels like it's coming from my finger. And I managed, so then you have this AP, anybody go to a, one of those fucking schools? So you have to take the advanced placement at the end of studying French for 14 years. And I got a one. Which no one in the history of my high school had ever gotten a one, by the way, is what you get if you spell your name correctly and you get nothing else, right? So um, that's what happens if you smoke pot before French class. Um, back to my Z. So, so um, a relationship progresses, by which I mean like I avoid him at school and we like talk and hang out at parties. And, um, and, and basically, that's it. That's all that happens. And he graduates. And luckily, he has a younger brother who, like, when I'm a junior, this guy's a I don't remember his name. He's a freshman. He looks enough like him, and I can actually not be mute around him, so I can, like, flirt with him and sort of pretend it's Mike. So then, anyway, time passes, and um, I hear grapevine that Mike Z has become a, a tech at dead shows. Now, if you lived in the Bay Area in the 80s, this was an actual job you could have. And what it meant was when people had bad acid trips, like someone would have to go in with a stretcher. And like, that, that was his job, okay. And then I heard later, that I'm getting ahead of myself, but later I heard that he became a doctor and an actual gynecologist. <laughs> so it's like my long nurtured fantasies of having Mike Z examine my nether regions. It could have come true. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Time passes. I end up graduating from high school, and one night I'm at I'm in a relationship, and I'm at um, the Marin Bruco, and that was like a seminal place in my in my life. Like I bought my fake ID there. Like all the big things happen there, and you know I'm still a total drunk, and um, you know, and, and about that, it's like I will say the most amazing thing about my sobriety is I really used to have these two personalities. Like I would call it like my night and my day. And you know, night was cool and comfortable and had esteem. And then there was day who was like really insecure and like really uh, had no personality and like 
one of the amazing blessings of my sobriety is that I have been able to morph those two and to actually do the kind of work that gets you to have that sort of esteem rather than manufacturing it with like liquid courage. So, but, but so Mike and I are um, at the Marin Bruco and he's not as cute. They never are. You know what I mean? The gold light's gone. He's just a dude. And, but I say to him, you know, Mike, you have always been my one unrequited crush. And he says something to me that you do not expect to hear from your unrequited crush unless you're an alcoholic. And he's like, what are you talking about? We totally hooked up. (laughs) There was some blacking out that had happened, apparently. So if that is not a good reason not to drink, I don't know what is. I would just like to put that out to all of you. All those unrequited crushes, who knows? They may have been requited. Thank you. Thank you. Amanda David, you guys are great.